scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, let's do it. We are underway on this Thursday, November 23rd. Flames talk from Adrenaline Source for Sports, one of our uh, absolute favorite spots to do a show on location. We're uh, We're underway. It's Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson from Post Media on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully your U.S. Thanksgiving's going well. Hopefully you're enjoying the holiday south of the border. No NHL action on this Thursday. In between Flames games, a 4-2 loss in Nashville on Wednesday night. They're into Dallas for game three of this four-game road trip on Friday night. Lots to talk about this hour. Daily Flames Roundtable a little bit later on. Lots to dive into power play-wise and more with the Calgary Flames. But a uh, special treat to kick off the hour. First of all, hi, Wes. Hey, buddy. How are you? You're really quiet. How's that? Say it again. Uh, hey, buddy. There how you are you? Oh, that's what I like to hear. You uh, still haven't answered my question. I'm doing all right. Well, that's good. quite good. Uh, and we got a special treat to kick off this hour of Flames Talk. He is the host of the wildly popular Jeff Merrick Show, which you hear every day from 10 till noon live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or wherever you get your podcast. part of our Sportsnet family of programs. And Jeff Merrick joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Mr. Merrick, it is a pleasure to have you back on Flames Talk. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Pat. How are you, Wes? Good afternoon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. It's good to uh, it's good to have you on board. And uh, it's funny. I was uh, listening to your program earlier on Thursday and uh, heard you chatting with our buddy Eric Francis and just going around yeah. some different uh, different things with the Calgary Flames. And I'm just curious from your standpoint. You watch everything. You saw this team start two seven and one. Now they're five two and two in this latest nine game stretch. Just curious on kind of a, a further away perspective on the Calgary Flames and, and what you've seen through almost a quarter of the season. It's a bunny hop. I look at the Calgary Flames and I say this is a bunny hop. This is going to be three hops forward and two back or four back and five forward. That's what we've seen so far. It's like the, the, the Flames to me, like I said this at the beginning of the season, the Flames to me, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you, Pat, and I'm on with you, Wes, and I'm in Calgary. Like, legitimately, the team that I was most curious about to start this season were the Calgary Flames. Now, what do I think of them? This is kind of like trying to grab a handful of water. At times, I love them. At times, I really don't. Um, the, the one thing that I, I find really fascinating here, and, and that game last night against Nashville, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't the best of all possible games. We saw a lot of weird things. We saw defensemen throwing sticks. Who does that in the NHL? Uh, we saw what looked like... We, we saw what, what looked like a ghost stick from Dylan Dubé until on closer look. Yeah, that's the rim around that's moving the stick. But nonetheless, like, it looked really weird. It was a pretty weird night all, all around last night in the NHL. But um, this Calgary Flames team is a, is a team that, you know, not unlike the Buffalo Sabres with Zach Benson, but it seems like this is a team that's got this real shot in the arm from the kids and specifically Connor Zary. And you look at what Zach Benson's been able to do for the Buffalo Sabres, scores his first career NHL goal last night 
and mm-hmm. it's a beauty. It's between the legs, and it's going to be on every highlight reel as far as first goals in the NHL goes forever. Uh, and I look at Connor Zary, and it seems as if, you know, even in the short nine-game span this season, and it's nine games for Zach Benson as well, these two players have had such an immediate impact and shot of adrenaline for their team that it's uncanny. Like, am I – you guys are right there and close to it. Am I ridiculous in suggesting that the Calgary Flames already missed Connor Zary and it's only been nine games and he's still a kid and he doesn't have many games under his belt at all? Like, Because that's what it seems like to me, that this has been a team that's been waiting for a, 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 a jolt of youth in their lineup and now they're finally starting – to get it. Having said that, I mean, you guys looked at the schedule. You guys know the Flames. This is a yep. killer road trip. This is this is tough. Like there are those road trips where it's like, all right, we're going to find out who we really are. Dallas, Vegas, Colorado. Like there, there's no there's no easy passage here. This is going to be a gauntlet for the Calgary Flames. So we're going to learn a lot. But who are the Flames to me? They're the Bunny Hop team. We've seen real good. We've seen real bad. Let's let's see how this thing settles. So we've talked a lot out here about and and have since really the beginning of the season, and they dropped the puck on the regular season with four unrestricted free agents and and four players with rather uncertain futures. And it's just it's felt like through the entire first quarter of the season like uh, a group that's at a crossroads about which direction it's going to go and, and how they're going to approach certain moves. But that's that's in the teeth of it. Uh, is is from who you talk to or from what you've observed does this feel like a flames team at a crossroads it really does and the players are going to decide what happens here and 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 with with one player specifically i mean like how much oxygen has nikita zadorov taken up on your program pat so far in the last week and a half or two weeks i'm guessing i'm guessing a, a lot. significant amount um, <laughs> so so, I mean, th- that's one of the issues. But I, I really think, you know, Eric, Eric Francis made this, this point on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the My Show this afternoon, which was, you know, the, uh, the agent here, Dan Milstein, really did his, uh, did his clients a, a disservice because if, you know, Craig Conroy had designs on trading this player soon, there's no way that Craig Conroy is going to send a message to the marketplace that, you know, if you're a, a player who's disgruntled, get your agent uh, to pop off and we'll get you moved. Now it's almost on principle. Okay, even if I am going to move you, I'm not going to do it on your timeline. I'm going to do it on my timeline. And I think that what Craig Conroy is going to be sensitive about here is I think the players are, are going to decide, not by what they want, but, but how they play. But I'll, I'll tell you what, even if the Calgary Flames decide that, you know what, whether it's Hannafin, whether it's Tanev, whether it's Zadorov, whether it's Lindholm, and we got to sell off, and we may be able to play kingmakers at trade deadline here and just wait till trade deadline and, and get the, the, the maximum value for your players. I think what we've seen so far, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, like, I think what we've seen so far is the cupboard's not bare. And, you know, Pospisil's a real nice player. I always mention Connor Zary, and we're going to see a lot of Dustin Wolf probably sooner than later as well. Like, it's not as if, you know, they're, they're, they're like, like, like the San Jose Sharks. Like, you're, you're going to get rid of, you know, Anthony DeClaire and whoever else is on an expiring contract, and it's going to take a while until some other players mm-hmm. can, can join the mix at the NHL level. Calgary's got some guys that can step right in, and some of them already have. So at least you're getting a peak of Matthew Carnado. Like, at least you're getting a peak of what the future is going to be, and it's anything but bare. So even if you have to spell off players 
and you're a Flames fan and you're bummed about it, there's guys that are ready to step in. Now, are there going to be growing pains attached to that? Obviously. But still, it's not as if you're going to you know, have to pump up a lot of players that don't belong in the NHL. You have players that are NHL ready already. You, uh, you, you follow junior hockey as closely as anyone does in this country. How, how sh- shocked, maybe the wrong word, how surprised are you with how quickly, you've mentioned Connor Zary's name a few times, how quickly not only he's jumped in and looked like he's belonged, but has jumped in and, as you said, made a difference and, and given this team an instant shot in the arm and, and showed the type of confidence that allows him to do things that a lot of guys on this roster don't do. I think we're seeing that with a lot of kids right now. Like once upon a time when, when there was a rookie in the NHL, it was like, just get the puck to the veteran and go to the bench and keep your head down and don't say anything. And, and right now kids are coming into the NHL and you're seeing it in Calgary too, obviously. I mean, kids are coming in all around and they're not just deferring. Like on a two-on-one, if they don't have the pass, they'll take the shot. Whereas before, I, I, I got to force the pass. I got to get it to the vet, got to get it to the vet, got to get it to the vet. Kids now are confident enough to, to take that shot, to make that play. Uh, I think a lot of, you know, the, the original ushering in of kids to the NHL, and I think a lot of them historically here in the salary cap era were sort of force-fed minutes they weren't, they weren't ready for, and that's just a byproduct of the salary cap being where it was and the, and the NHL, and NHL teams needed inexpensive players. But right now you're seeing a crop of kids that, I mean, the skill level is, is, is off the charts. Um, kids that are, are able to, to, to walk in right away and have a difference in the regular season. And I think that's really the diff- that, that's the point of differentiation. Like, I mean, you guys know there's, there's two seasons. There's the NHL season, which is one thing, and then there's the playoffs, which is almost a completely different game. Are the kids ready for that? I would argue no. But as far as regular season hockey goes, I mean, a lot of these kids can, can surf on skill. When it gets really tough, um, you know, are they still there? The lion's share aren't. But as far as walking into a lineup and giving your team uh, a jolt in the arm, like we're seeing it all over the NHL. Look at the Anaheim Ducks. You know, like we all know that Anaheim is fool's gold right now. Like it's not going to last and they're already mm-hmm. starting to dip. But you're starting to see whether it's Minchikov or Mason, um, uh, Mason McTavish or Leo Carlson. Like you're starting to see kids make a difference. And what it does more than anything else, is it gives your fans a wink at the future. So am I surprised? No, because this is a group of players, and I think it really started with the McDavid group, that didn't have to stop playing hockey a certain way and then learn how to re- relearn the game. You know, like previous to the Connor McDavid group, you know, it's a whole new rules package, whole new new way to play, and a lot of players had to stop a lot of their basic instincts about hockey and relearn the game. This is just a group, this is just the rules package they've grown up with. This is just hockey from the moment they've picked up a stick and, and got on the ice. So I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody be, should, should be surprised that young players are making en masse as much of a difference as they are right now. Jeff, I'm really curious about this because you raise a great point about the, the readiness of the kids, and I love the way you put it. They can kind of surf on the skill that they, they have, especially in regular season. There was this thinking for the longest time that if times were going to get tough with your team if if you're maybe going to start to go in into the sort of downturn you wanted to protect some of your best kids from those losses piling up i'm curious has has your stance on that changed at all with how sort of ready to contribute these kids all seem to be 
It's a great question, and I think it really depends on the person. I think it really does. Like, I remember, you know, Brian Burke telling me about the Anaheim Ducks when he ran it and, you know, conversations he had with both Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry and said, like, look, we can't can't allow you into the – he said, like, that Anaheim Ducks room was awful before they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, Berkey's analogy was we had to shovel out the barn before we showed the horse. And I'm not going to bring in Getzlaff and Perry until we're ready to show ready to, to show the horse. That's and, a great uh, line, so by I, the way, I, isn't it? It's a, I mean, Berkey's got the best line. No one talks like Berkey anymore in sports. We got to shovel out the barn before we show the horse, boys. Um, but you know, I, I look at someone like Adam Fantilli, and normally, in a situation like Columbus, that was a huge win against. Chicago. I know it was a blow up, but man, did they really need that one? Normally, you'd be concerned about Adam Fantilli, but you know that's um, if you know anything about him and his family uh, and his brother and the way he grew up. Like I started watching him in the GTHL with the Toronto Red Wings, almost totally dismantle one of the best uh, minor hockey teams we've ever seen in the Don Mills Flyers. We had Shane Wright and Brendan Offman and Brant Clark, like first round picks all over the NHL, and single handedly he almost took them all apart and mature beyond his years and able to handle a lot of things. Now, you're putting him into an environment where already you've had the Mike Babcock situation. Now you have extended losing. Now you have Johnny Gaudreau and everyone saying, oh, that dog don't hunt. Now you're having drama with Patrick Lyonet. Now you have everybody questioning the general manager, and you have the questioning of John Davidson. Like, all around Adam Fantilli is chaos, but the kid is so mentally tough already at the age of 18 and has been through so much already that – he can handle it. But again, I think that just depends on the player. Like, I think we all know some players like in, in, in junior hockey that if you plunk them in that situation, they'll wilt. So I, I don't know that I can paint with a roller on this one and say that all kids are one way. I think I right. have to paint with a brush and say that some can and some can't. It's such a, I, I think, a hot button topic for a lot of Flames fans because one of their top prospects obviously is, is Dustin Wolf, a goaltender, and you kind of wonder yeah. you know everything about Dustin Wolf reigning AHL MVP two-time goalie of the year in the minors like everything about him suggests he's ready for the NHL and, and yet if you go down that road where you've potentially traded three of your top five defensemen do you want your hot shot goalie prospect exposed to that I think that's something we're going to debate here to no end for sure, and there's and there's some blocking still going on for for Dustin Wolf too. You know, yeah. I remember having you know sure. last last year, Elliot and I were in in um, in Dallas. Uh, you know, they sort of opened the doors and said, you know, have, have at whoever you want. And I was having a conversation with Jake Ottinger um, uh, for the podcast, and I asked him about, you know, what did you think when Jim Nill brought in Braden Holtby? Because you'll remember, like at that time, it was like, okay, Ottinger's ready. This is going to be his crease, and then. Boom! Here comes Braden Holtby, and Ottinger said, "Yeah, I was pissed. I was I was livid at Jim Nill. I was really upset. And I was like, just a minute, I thought I was going to be in the NHL full time. There's someone there blocking me. And I asked Nill about, it and he said, "Oh yeah, he was angry. Like we had we had our we had it out a couple of different times, but you know, ultimately it was better for him. I remember Kelly Rudy telling me the story when he joined the Islanders, and he thought, you know, he's coming in. He you know, a star at Medicine Hat." And then, you know, played Indianapolis in, in minor hockey and was ready for the Islanders. And, you know, Kelly was reminded pretty quickly, no one's going to hand you a job in the NHL. And Kelly said it was the best thing for him because he never took it for granted that he was in the NHL because there were players that were blocking him to get there. And I think, you know, short term, 
you know, is it, does it suck for Dustin Wolf? Totally does. Like, you're right. Like the last two seasons, the body of work he's laid before all of us has been spectacular to the point where we're saying, like, what's taking the Flames so long to trade Vladar here? They got Dustin Wolf coming. But, you know, Kelly's point is the right one. Like, when Dustin Wolf makes it to the NHL and is a full-time starting goaltender in the NHL, he's not going to be frivolous about it because he knows what it feels like not to have that spot and have to take that spot and have to earn that spot. And long and in the long term, it's going to be better for Dustin Wolf and better for the Calgary Flames. We are chatting with Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts, the podcast, joining us here on Flames Talk on this Thursday. One more on the Flames. You know, we just spent a lot of time talking about Connor Zary and Dustin Wolf. You mentioned Pospisil. Matt Coronado is above a point per game in the American League. And, you know, as, as they evaluate their unrestricted free agents and how they're going to go about their business and and i think it's fairly certain they're going to be moving multiple of the four pending unrestricted free agents between now and the trade deadline it just the 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 flames i believe are are interested in young nhlers on top of the traditional picks and prospects and so you talk about the the young players they already have and you make a couple of pragmatic moves with some of these ufas i don't know jeff it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a pivot for the flames means they have to be wandering in the desert for five and six years It, it feels like there's an opportunity to be able to get yourself back to a more competitive level in you know maybe it's it's closer to two or three years and we're not talking about uh, a massive step back for a long period of time were we not just having this exact same conversation about the vancouver canucks about five minutes ago yep what were we talking about like what's the conversation been around the vancouver canucks the last couple of years they have too many different players on too many different timelines none of it's going to sync up and it's not going to work but the thing about the vancouver canucks and you can say this about the calgary flames too is they have elite players at every position now, do they have the volume of them? No, but, you know, they have, you know, high-quality forwards. They have quite high-quality defensemen. I still think that Rasmus Anderson is one of the most underrated defensemen in the, in the entire NHL. And they've got Dustin Wolf on the horizon, and I'm still waiting for, you know, and, and Markstrom's shown it at times this year that, you know, every now and then he gives you the glance and gives you the peak of, you know, that Markstrom from a couple of seasons ago. So, like, it's not as if you're going to go, to your point, wandering in the desert for a couple of years here. Like, Calgary's not going to be San Jose. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a quick little sort of pivot back and then a lurch forward. Unless, and I don't think Conroy does this, unless they completely go scorched short. But when you have the presence and contracts like Kadri and Huberto, you still have to double down on, we need to make these deals work. And we still need to be players. So, no, I don't think that this is a flame team that goes through the long, painful, multi-years-in-the-lottery type rebuild at all, even if they end up getting, giving, you know, end up trading you know, all their UFA defensemen and uh, Lindholm as well. Two more quick ones before we let you go, Jeff, and uh, outside of the Calgary market, but not far outside. What, what is happening in Edmonton, and do you see a way out of it this season that gets them anywhere close to where they expected to be? We keep saying they're Edmonton, they're going to be fine. We keep saying it's Connor and Leon, they're going to be fine. If any team can buck the odds of having this winning percentage at this time of the year, U.S. Thanksgiving, 
it's the Edmonton Oilers. But then you see a game like last night against Carolina. And you see squandered opportunities against the Florida Panthers where they go up two goals. You see what happened last Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we'll see what happens tomorrow when they face off against the Washington Capitals. Much like Calgary, they got a tough they got a tough row ahead of them right now. Like they, they conclude they conclude this month um, with some really really tough teams. And so far, I mean, this past week has been a disaster. Uh, we all know that Connor McDavid is playing with something do we know what yeah. it is no all we're doing is playing amateur doctors here and saying oh it's an oblique injury or oh it's a wrist or oh it's like we don't know we don't we just know this isn't the economic david that we're used to um defensively this team has been has been like just just awful like i'm trying to give them a soft landing here you can't it's been terrible has the goaltending helped no um one of my concerns and ellie and i keep going back and forth on this one is i just wonder how much damage that you're doing to young Stuart Skinner here at this point, like watching him leave the net after four quickies last night by the Carolina hurricanes. All I'm thinking of is did they send the right guy down to Bakersfield? Like mm-hmm. I know that Campbell didn't exactly like the NHL on fire, but what are you doing to Stuart Skinner at this point? And I think one of the things that we wonder about is, you know, are the Oilers now prepared to do a trade that over the long haul, they're going to lose just so they can get someone in there to help stop the bleeding. But then again, goaltending is not their only problem. The, one of the major problems is giving up high-danger scoring chances. Their defense been getting turnstiled, bad decisions, game in and game out. Like, there's not one quick fix for this. So at a, at a certain point, you, you say to yourself, we need to make a desperation move. And I know that Edmonton is holding on, hoping this thing turns around. You wondered if that three-game winning streak was going to be it. But, like, how many points did they make up in that three-game winning streak? One? Yeah. That's how hard it is now. And now we're, now we're saying, now we're actually having the conversation, well, can you get into the playoffs in the Western Conference and not get 90 points? Like, that's what we're doing right now. Well, you know, Seattle's really not that good, and these other teams ahead of them aren't really that good. Like, that's how bad it's gotten right now. And when you're having that conversation, you know there's trouble. And to your point about based on expectations, expectations were the Stanley Cup. I think that that conversation is out the window right now. Jeff, last one for you. And uh, we're here at Adrenaline Source for Sports, this really awesome sports store, watching all these young kids, yeah, walk through the aisles, looking to pick up new sticks and and all this gear. And and I'm sort of struck by this thought that not that long ago, Kale McCarr was probably – wandering around this store <laughs> trying to convince his dad to buy him a new stick or new elbow pads or whatever. Can you, I mean, I know it's difficult. Five straight multi-point outings, 20 points, I believe, in the month of November already, which is just absurd. Yeah. Can you can you put in perspective at all what Calgary-raised Kale McCarr is doing these days? I'll tell you what I see when I see Kale McCarr. I say if Connor McDavid were a defenseman, he'd be Kale McCarr. That's that. That's what I see, and I think he. I think one of the things that we underrate about Makar too, is just how punishing a hitter he is, and a lot of that comes down to uh, he has elite feet, and he has uh, elite control of speed, uh, and he's really strong, and he's really smart, and he ha- he's like a like when when you look at escapes out of the defensive zone, he's Houdini, like he's Houdini, and it's almost like the best player the, the best player I ever saw, who um, would intimidate because they could outskill you and escape out of a pretzel was Muriel Lemieux. Like, I don't think there'll be anyone better. But, man, when I watch Kale McCarr, like, with these, these one person, like, he's a human breakout machine, I just marvel, and, I, and I'm just stunned. 
and he's he's strong and he's quick and he thinks well. Again, like I don't think I'm overstating it. If Connor McDavid were a defenseman, he'd beat Cal McCarr. That's how highly I think of uh, I, I think of this young defenseman. Great stuff, Jeff. Really appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's a busy Thursday for you. You got some things that you got to go take care of now. So thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time with us this afternoon. That was awesome. And uh, we'll be listening on Friday as per usual. Thank you, sir. I'm at Don Beer Arena in Pickering, Ontario, about to watch my kid play against Quincy. So that's what I'm up to on this Thursday. Awesome. See? That sounds like a pretty good Thursday night. Enjoy yourself Talk and you uh, good luck. Talk you down, good luck boys. to the right thanks, team. Boys. Be good. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. you Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, and 32 Thoughts, uh, both wherever you get your podcast, part of our Sportsnet family of podcasts, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come on in, enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pick up or delivery, also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for our Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday. Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Pat and Wes from Adrenaline Source for Sports. And now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Flames fall 4-2 in Nashville in what I think we all agree was a pretty lackluster effort against the Predators. But you know what can sometimes get you a point or two out of a subpar effort? is a power play that converts and uh the power play did not convert it went 0 for 3 in what was essentially a one goal game i know it ends up being 4-2 and it was 4-1 at one point but essentially that was a one goal game for most of it guys what the heck can the flames do to fix this power play that has scored once in its last eight games and is not only not generating momentum but on many occasions it's taken momentum away from them how do they go about fixing this thing? Boy, that's a great question, Pat. And I'm sure it's one that uh, they're asking themselves in the coach's office and in the dressing room as well. And we've seen them practice it a lot, which isn't something we saw from them the last couple of seasons. But with Mark Savard in charge of the power play, uh, they've practiced it not on a daily basis, but pretty consistently so far this season. So it's not a lack of practice time that is the problem. It's, in my opinion personnel and execution and i'll start with the execution portion of it i just think they're too static and it's funny because they hadn't scored a power play goal in six games they were 0 for 17 and then on monday night in seattle their power play got two chances and they scored seconds into their first power play and were really dangerous from start to finish on their second power play they didn't score but they could have and maybe even should have in that game against the Kraken. So I thought, okay, they've turned the corner. Uh, Special teams can be streaky, both the PP and the PK. And then last night, I thought they just went back to what they looked like during that six-game stretch where they couldn't score with the man advantage. And just too static for me. Uh, I think they're allowing teams to get into the penalty-killing box and stay there because they're not moving around enough. Uh, And that's both bodies and the puck not going high to low to to try to break up that box. But the other part of it for me, guys, 
personnel. And I know he's a rookie, and I know it's a lot to ask, but I think the Flames should recall Matt Coronado, and I think they should put him right on the power play because he gives them something they don't have, and that's uh, a shot from the perimeter. And I think he's their most dangerous shooter. So uh, having a shot from the half wall would add another element to their power play. I'd like to see him or someone replace Adam Rzitska on the power play. He doesn't have a point in 10 games, and I guess you could say the power play is one way to get him going, but uh, it feels like that's maybe a bit of a stretch at this point. So uh, between uh, a lack of execution, a lack of movement, and uh, the personnel they're currently using, uh, and that's probably a, a smaller thing than the other two things I talked about, uh, th- those are three things for me that are impacting their power play negatively right now. Yeah, this is a power play that scored three goals in the month of November that, you know, if, if you go just by this month, they're clipping along at 10.3%, which is obviously a, a long ways below where you need to be. I thought the momentum instantly last night in the game changed when Jonathan Huberto was stripped of the puck at the blue line. It goes the other way. Suddenly it's in the back of your net for a shorthanded goal. So yeah. I, I, I'm interested, Wilsey, in the, the personnel example. And I think, they might be at a point where you would go so far back to basics that you're just looking for some chemistry in the game between a line, and I might consider leaving some of those forwards together for a power play. Like, almost treating it like it's not a power play. If Michael Backlund is looking good with Jonathan Huberto, why split those guys right now on the power play? Why have Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto together on that top unit when there hasn't been a ton of chemistry there? I don't think that's the long-term solution, but I just think you almost need to, like, it's like those guys go out there and, and they just, they're so, I don't know, the, the, the collective confidence is just absolutely zapped. They're not even, like, they're, they didn't even generate any opportunities last night on it. And so I think if, if you've got some guys who seem to be clicking individually, Forget what your normal personnel has looked like. Forget what your units normally look like. If you've got a defense pairing that seems to be moving it around pretty well at the blue line between themselves, like put those guys on the power play and see if you can just almost dumb it down to let's treat it like five on five, except they have one less guy out there. It's such a um, it's it's such a frustrating thing to watch right now, um, and it it kind of. It makes me think a little bit about how many slings and arrows Kirk Muller took last year about how poor the power play was. And and I'm not trying to defend Kirk Muller or throw Mark Savard under the bus. In fact, I'm almost starting to say maybe we need to remove the coaching from it and say this might be a personnel thing. You know, the Flames the Flames had a top 10 power play in 21-22 because they had elite finishers. They had a trio of Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk that all scored 40. They had a team that was high scoring, and, and they had uh, some high-end offense. Since that season, they haven't had anything close to high-end offense. And, yes, Jonathan Huberdeau looks like he's starting to maybe turn the corner. That giveaway that led to the one nothing goal last night, notwithstanding, I actually thought Huberdeau was one of their more dynamic offensive players in Nashville, which wasn't saying a lot, but I thought he was one of the guys that, that actually looked somewhat dangerous when he was out there. They just, guys, they, 
they, they do not have dangerous enough personnel. Now you take their one elite finisher or, or higher-end finisher from last year out of the equation in Tyler Toffoli, and it makes it that much more difficult. Wilsey, I am on board with you. I think it is beyond time to recall Matt Coronado. He's more than a point per game now in the American League. I think that you know the, the confidence boost that you were looking for with the Wranglers has been more than achieved, and there's a real need. And I also think, to your point, we have not seen him on the flank on the power play since he's been in the NHL. At no point was he really put there consistently before he was sent to the Wranglers. So I think that's something that you have to think about doing. Hell, I think about looking at Klapka as well and saying that is a big body with a nose for the net that I think you could, because right now they do not do a very good job of making life difficult on opposing goaltenders, either even strength or on the power play. So, yeah, I, 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 I think when you talk about it, yes, do they need to be more unpredictable? Yes. Do they need to be more mobile? Do they need to move their feet more? Absolutely, all those things. But I really am starting to wonder if it just comes down to overall personnel. It just they don't have those high-end players. So if you can go and, and look at a Klapka and a Coronado and maybe give yourself just a little bit more um, uh, and, and a little bit more dynamic nature on that power play, I, I think at the very least it's it's worth heavily considering considering yeah i mean they don't have generational players but they've got guys who are talented enough to i think have more success in the power play than they've had this season or over the last couple of seasons i mean jonathan huberto has turned a corner he's an elite passer uh, elias Lindholm might not be an elite shooter but he's a really good shooter i think matt coronado has the potential to become an elite shooter in this league uh, another thing they need to do more is shoot the puck. I mean, as simplistic as that might sound, it's hard to score if, if you don't shoot it and if you can't get shots through to the goaltender. And if they can get some more shots through to the net from the point, I think that'll create some chaos. They've done a little bit better job, again, last night notwithstanding, getting bodies to the net to, to create some second and third opportunities. Uh, but if you don't get the puck there, then the bodies are there for really no reason so I do think calling up Matt Coronado probably not during this road trip but I think it's more likely to happen when the team returns to Calgary I think that would be something that could potentially help them both in the power play and five on five and just a bit more movement and uh, some more shots uh, to create some chaos Uh, so uh, it's gonna be a a key area for the Flames moving forward here guys because uh, again they're not blessed with a bunch of Uh, generational players uh, who score easily they have to work a little bit harder for their goals and uh it's hard to score five on five but it should be easier to score five on four but i wouldn't say that it has been that way for the flames so far this season they've got to rectify that well it's pretty telling right that they don't have a single player on the roster with multiple power play goals this season they've got Mm -hmm. eight different guys who have one power play goal and that includes an aj greer kind of pp3 right at the end thrown out type deal so if you don't have what are we 18 games in 19 19, and you don't have a guy who has two power play goals your man advantage is really really scuffling along yep well it's an area they absolutely need to work on and absolutely need to fix i don't know how easy a fix it's going to be but uh it is something if they're going to 
turn a corner as a team, and I mean really turn a corner as a team and um, get themselves into a different, like get themselves out of the middle, they're, they're, they're going to need to significantly improve that area. It's uh, Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday, and today is U.S. Thanksgiving, gentlemen. It is the magical U.S. Thanksgiving demarcation date in the NHL, this floating date that, that surrounds when the Pilgrims arrived at Plymouth Rock and uh, has nothing to do with that. I don't know where this all began, but it is something that comes up every single year now. I can um, tell you were on Wikipedia earlier today. Oh, I'm, no, I'm just a U.S. historian. <laughs> I know all about it. Uh, since 05 just over 76% of teams in a playoff spot on this magical U.S. Thanksgiving date make the playoffs, um, and that has a few exclusions in it, but that's, you know, a pretty decent 15-, 18-year sample size dating back to the first year after the lockout. So knowing that just over 76% of teams in a playoff spot make the playoffs based on this date and the Flames are not in a playoff spot on this date, what does that mean to you in 2023? Well, first of all, thank you for the history lesson. I appreciate that. Uh, secondly, where does it come from? It comes from that stat, Pat. I think that's uh, a significant number. 76 to 77% of teams in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving wind up qualifying for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I do think that that stat tells a story. Now, the good news for the Flames is they are four points out. They've got a couple of games in hand. I know it's way too early to be talking about games in hand, but they have played two fewer games than the Kraken, who sit in the second wildcard spot or tied for the first wildcard spot points-wise in the Western Conference. And they only have three teams that they have to climb over to get into a playoff position. They're in a much better spot than their provincial rival. I mean, the Oilers are a whopping 10 points out of a wildcard spot. And they have to jump over six teams to get into one. And you could argue that they're more talented than the Flames are. But, man, they have dug themselves into a deep hole. So uh, the bigger story for me, fellas, isn't the number of points that the Flames are out or the number of teams they have to climb over to get in. It's where's this team going? What direction is the management group going to take this team in? If they leave this team intact... I believe the Flames will continue to battle for a playoff spot. I think they've probably played their worst stretch of hockey of the season. Uh, we've seen individuals turn the corner. Their top players like Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto, and I know he wasn't great last night, Rasmus Anderson. You know, they're getting the goaltending from Jacob Markstrom this season. I thought even uh, in last night's loss, he was one of their better players. Uh, I think the Flames have what it takes as currently constructed to be a playoff team despite their slow start to the season. But if that's not the direction this team is going in because they're tired of being in the murky middle or they're unsure of whether or not they can sign their pending UFAs or want to sign all four or three or two or one of their pending UFAs and, and they move talent out, uh, as we talked about earlier this week, I just don't think that the Flames are a talented enough team I'm not sure there is in the league, to, to trade away their number one centerman and three of their top five defensemen and expect to continue to fight for a playoff spot. Could it happen? I guess. But I don't see it happening. So for me, guys, it's not so much about how far out they are or 
how many teams are between them in a playoff spot. It's way more about uh, what direction this team decides to go in moving forward here. You know, the one thing that the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday always does, and especially I I think this year I've been thinking about it even more, is it just reminds us how hard it is to erase the damage of a bad start. And, yeah, Wilsey, you're absolutely right. So much of the Calgary Flames sort of short-term future hinges on the huge decisions that Craig Conroy has to make and what sort of return he might be looking for as he looks to trade away some of the pending free agents who look to be not long for Calgary. But, you know, I was thinking about this last night after that game in Nashville it's like every bad game for a, a team that has put itself in such a bad spot, every bad game feels like a big deal because yeah. you're just kind of chasing it the whole season. And, and that that was the thing that was kind of striking me the most as I watched the third period last night was this team obviously lost six in a row. And now in a 5-2-2 a two and two stretch, which – by all accounts is a good stretch of hockey you've still only erased the damage for half of that losing streak and that's just a reminder of how difficult it is in this league if you put yourself in a tough spot to eventually claw back and and that's why i think the thanksgiving stat is as sort of strong as it is is that right if you put yourself behind the oilers are going to be talking about the same thing every team that's in a precarious position right now is looking at it the same way it's really hard to wind up erasing that damage it's why what st louis did in 2019 is so remarkable because it never happens right like for not i think the stanley cup notwithstanding just for them to claw their way back and make the playoffs the way they did that year it it, it doesn't happen in in, in the they were era last of, overall in january i last know overall Unbelievable, that, and that like guys that that it'll be decades until we see that happen again. Uh, anything close to it, I truly believe that until they change the point system, which I don't think they're going to do anytime soon. Um, in the in the day or the era of three point games, and in the era where you've got teams that are as close as they are, and anybody can beat anybody, or at the very least get a game to extra time on any given night. To make up that ground is difficult. So that is that is why I think that, yeah, you're like, yeah, they're probably less than 50% to make the playoffs on November 23rd because they're multiple points out as, as we talk about a quarter of the way through the season. Not impossible and definitely not inside that room any reason to not feel like everything's on the table for you, but... The other thing that makes it really weird is, is Derek, to your point, you know, and, and, and for me it's not an if, it's a when in that when do some of these decisions get made and when do some of these players get dealt? If they wait until the trade deadline, well, yeah, they're probably close-ish, points or two in, points or two out, whatever the case may be, until, until the deadline. But if all of a sudden a deal pops up in the next three weeks that they decide to go forward on, then it really starts to change the paradigm. And maybe that's one domino that starts to fall. Like, I, I don't think it's if. I, I 
there is zero chance in my mind that all four of these guys get re-signed, and thus that means there's a 100% chance in my mind that at least one, if not multiple, of these guys get moved. And so that's really going to change the entire conversation too. So it's kind of this very strange waiting game on top of the fact that they have ground to make up. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a black cloud over the team right now, these pending UFAs, because they've got to be wondering what's going to happen. And I know fans are wondering what's going to happen. And even the other guys inside of the dressing room, don't you think they must be wondering sure. yep. what direction this team is going in? And I've had a couple of veteran players who are committed to being Flames well beyond this year tell me that they they don't want to be a part of a rebuild. They might have to be because they're signed to longer-term contracts. But this team, I really believe they're trying to do everything they can to convince the management group that that's not the direction the Flames should go in. And prior to last night, I thought they were really pleading a pretty good case. Last night was a step in the wrong direction. Uh, That was not a very inspired performance uh, in that game against the Predators. So... Uh, we'll see what the team does between now and Christmas. For me, guys, uh, the 15 games between now and the Christmas break will tell us who the Flames are and what direction they should go in. If they're below 500, then I don't think there's any question. They have to retool to some extent. If they're above 500 with the tough schedule they've got and they're still very much in the playoff picture, then I think it's a conversation that, that should be had. Uh, should they sell or should they stand pat or should they buy? But uh, until we get through the next 15 games, for me, it's it's probably going to be hard to know who these guys are and, and what direction they should go in unless there's another long losing streak. And then you can probably uh, wave goodbye to a, a playoff spot. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting stretch here for the Flames as uh, we wait to see what uh, direction the organization decides to go in and, and the players' performance on the ice could impact that i know i know we don't have much time here but just really quick though the only way for me from my vantage point that it's impacting the direction because everything that i've heard from craig conroy indicates that he knows if he's going to lose a guy to free agency he's going to have to make a move before then i do think it can change a little bit what you're trying to get in a return package whether you know your top priorities first round picks if you are still somehow hanging around that playoff race maybe you're trying to get younger guys but guys who could potentially step into your lineup right away but i just don't think that being in a wild card spot in february can change what needs to be the bigger picture here yep unless you're going to sign some of these guys i i don't think you should let lindholm or hannafin or probably even zadorov walk for nothing but i don't know reading the tea leaves fellas i'm starting to get the sense that uh Maybe those things aren't on the table. Yeah, kind of feels like that's the direction is uh, uh, kind of feels like that's the direction things are moving right now. Anyway, uh, thank you, Wilsey. We will do it again on Friday. Okay, guys, have a good night. He is Derek Wills. He is Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024 as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Wes on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson.
We're coming at you from Adrenaline Source for Sports uh, this hour on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cam and Taylor are producers on this Thursday as well. Whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, you got to get yourself to 403 Local, especially whenever the local hockey team is playing. And when the Flames play, you've got to get the game day special at 403 Local. What's that game day special? It's two beers and a pizza for 20 bucks. You're not getting that anywhere and that's anytime they play home or road uh then on sunday watch all the football starting at 11 o'clock on all their big screens and you're getting 50 cent wings on sundays happy hour all day they also do wings on wednesdays at 403 local on monday it's dry ribs for five bucks a pound they also have daily happy hour from three till six lunch specials every weekday from 11:30 till 2:30, and 403 locals available for private functions as well visit 403 local in Canyon Meadows and check them out online at 403local.com.